Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. The motivation for serving God an exorcism of my gift is based on this thing called love. In the original language, it's agape love. Without God, I don't have that. That's God's kind of love. It's a sacrificial kind of love. A love that cares for the well-being of others. Agape means this, to seek the highest good of another. In other words, to try to always build up the other person. God says, if I give... He'll give back to me. So there's reciprocation that's going to take place. The system of the world that's ruled by Satan and those who want to do things his way says that to be satisfied in life, you have to grab all that you can. It doesn't matter who you hurt or step over or on to get what you want. Pastor Mark will be teaching that God's kingdom works very differently. It doesn't make sense to the human mind. That might be because God's ways are based on his mind. You'll learn what Christ followers are to do so that people can see the love of Jesus through you. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in John chapter 13 as he continues this series, Motivational Gifts. And let's turn, first of all, if you will, to John chapter 13. 13, we're going to see how these gifts, these motivational gifts, these seven, are put into action, how they work together. Jesus designed a magnet, you know what a magnet is, to attract the world to Christians. One is salt and light, that's attractive, people that are thirsty, people that need their thirst quenched, man. We know how to get there. Out of us flow rivers of living water. People in the darkness want to know the way. We know the way, the light. But in John chapter 13, skip on down to verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So what is the magnet of churches where God is growing them, where, where God is bringing lots of new people? The magnet is love. That's the thing that you're going to see as we go through the teaching. You say, I like it's love. Flip with me just for a moment to 1 Corinthians 13. Let's just remind us of a priority before we head off into this teaching. In 1 Corinthians 13, we have a priority of love. Notice what Paul says in verse 1. And now I will show you the most excellent way. He has just finished giving 
the nine charismatic or spiritual gifts. Paul is also, as we are finishing, the seven motivational gifts. But notice what he says. I'll show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have uh, faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. By the way, you can just add there, if I have three of the motivational gifts, but if I don't operate them in love, zero. Useless. Not needed. Who cares? So, as you understand that, let's now turn to Romans 12, verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. They fit in as a unit. Not one is more important than another. They're all needed. They're all given by God. Every Christian has at least one of those. Most of us have a primary one and a little mixture of one or two others. If you as yet have not discovered what yours is, Please get the test that's in the bookstore. It only costs you a dollar. Fill that out. Pray. Answer it honestly. And it will clarify a lot of that to you and for you. Now, could God change some things and maybe emphasize one of those gifts that you have above another one? I believe he could. We talked about Philip, who was really a servant, and all of a sudden he became an evangelist. He became an organizer. He led the church there, whatever, and then eventually went off, and we're not sure exactly what he did in Caesarea for those 20 years, but obviously he was active. So as we look at this, all these gifts work together. We know that from this next scripture. Peter says this in First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each one, you, myself, all of us, should use whatever gift one of those seven, he has received, here's the goal, to serve others. It's not to build me up, not to make me look good, not I'm special because there are nobody special. We're all equal. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So I'm a steward of my gifts. They were given to me by God. I didn't earn them. I didn't study for them. They were given to me by God. Now, I developed those gifts. And you're going to see that what we develop it off of is this thing called love. Now, I'm going to give an answer to God for these gifts, as well as my time and my finances and my money and all the possessions on those. But I am going to give an answer for this. Let me give you an illustration of how this works practically. Let's say seven Christians who have each one a motivational gift, and they visit a person in the hospital. How would that sound? So next time you're in the hospital, if somebody comes in, you can kind of peg them as to 
what kind of gift they have. So let's say you're in the hospital and these people come in one by one into your room over the next two or three days. Here we go. The prophet's going to say this to you while you're in bed. What is God trying to say to you through this illness? Is there some sin you haven't confessed? You like these people, don't you? You're in the deathbed and this guy's trying to get you to confess or something. Now why the prophet? Because all he can see is what? Black and white. Now they're not all going to be that way. A server... If the server comes in, what's, what's this person going to say? Well, I brought your mail in, I fed your dog, I watered your plants, and I washed your dishes. Hallelujah for servants. What's a teacher going to do? I've done some research on the internet on your illness, and I believe I can explain to you what's happening. See, they're into information. What's the encourager going to do? Make the most of your time here, and make sure you have a good rest, and in no time you'll be better. What about the giver? Would you like some chocolate cake? I know that's your favorite. You see, they've been, why would they say that? Because they've been thinking. They love to give. A leader. Don't worry about a thing. I've assigned your job and your functions to four other people in the church, and they'll do fine until you get back. That's good. Because if you're a person that serves, you, you wonder, well, who's, who's doing my deal? As all of you go on vacation, this is a good time to remind you, if you have responsibilities, make sure you have your cohort or the other person that's subbing for you to, to pick up and do those things. And what about the person with mercy? Well, hopefully you have a husband that maybe has got the gift of prophecy and a wife that got the gift of mercy. Let the prophet get his word out, and then the, the wife will say something like this. I was so upset when I learned that you were sick. How do you feel now? You say, is that the way it really works? Yeah, that's the way it really works. Are all of them needed? Uh, Yep, all of them are needed. And so understand as we do that. Now, I'd encourage you to write this down. If you have a pen where you can write it in your Bible so you can read it, do it now. If not, just write it on paper and then put this in your Bible. I have this in my Bible. I think these five keys are essential to understanding what we just spent weeks and weeks and weeks going through. Number one, know your gift or your gifts. I can't function with them if I'm not sure who I am. That's why we spent time. Number two, we learn since they're really grace gifts, you have to accept your gift. In other words, you can't say, well, God, you know, man, you made me a prophet. I don't want to be a prophet. Well, sorry. That's the gift God gave you. He knew your personality. He knew your giftings. He knew who you need to be, and that's what he gave you. So you want to accept your gift, and don't be jealous of somebody else's gift. I'd like to have that. I'd like to be in front of people. God put me behind the scenes. I'd like to be be in front of people. No, just accept your gift. God gave it to you. God's all wise. He knows everything. Number three. This is the one we'll focus on. Number three. Exercise your gift Always in love. And we'll see that love is, well, it is a verb in many forms. It's not this kind of, ooh, love. Something way out there, you know, you can't get your hands on it or whatever. No, no, no. It's not that kind of a thing at all. This mystic kind of feeling. Number four. Not only do I have to accept my gift and not be jealous of somebody else, but I have to allow others to exercise their gift. That's why there's a body. So 
I can't be doing everything. I'm not gifted to do everything. It won't work if I even had the time. It doesn't work that way. Same with you. And number five, bottom line, when you're done using your gift, realize it was a gift to you. And always give the glory to God. Just let it happen. Let it flow. Revert it back to God because he's the one that's due the glory. So if I do that, God will continue to advance me through the use of my gift. He'll open more doors, opportunity. If I start taking it to myself, then there's going to be a fall that's going to come. All right. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. We have a total of 11 keys that Paul gives us as he finishes out. Really, you could make, you could do 11 weeks easily on each of these keys, one week per key. But we'll just do about four of them. First thing Paul says is, okay, you have these gifts, you have these motivational gifts, How do I operate them? Well, I have to operate them as number three. You have to exercise your gift in love. Well, what kind of love? First key to write after this now is, number one, really love others. Love must be sincere. Now, the New Living Translation, I think, says it really clearly to us. Notice what it says. Don't just pretend you love others. Really love them. The motivation for serving God and exercising my gift is based on this thing called love. In the original language, it's agape love. Without God, I don't have that. That's God's kind of love. It's a sacrificial kind of love, a love that cares for the well-being of others. Agape means this, to seek the highest good of another. In other words, to try to always build up the other person. God says, if I give... He'll give back to me. So there's reciprocation that's going to take place. So what does Paul warn against? Something strange. He warns against insincere love. In other words, here's what can happen. We have to be very careful with our gifts. If we're not careful, we can play games by pretending that we love someone or do something because there's an ulterior motive behind it. Well, I want to serve this person. I just love to serve person. I know they're a giver. They got a lot of money. You say, well, people wouldn't do that. Well, sure. So you understand we're all equal. That's why I learned from my dad at a very young age, as we moved through the ministry, I don't want to know who gives. Other than the elders and pastors, because they can't be elders or pastors if they don't tithe. I don't know how much they tithe, but I do know they give. I don't want to know how much you give. Why? Because I could love you in an insincere way. I could go, got to treat him really good. He's got a big, deep pocket. You know, we're going to go to Vieira, and it's going to cost us a couple hundred thousand dollars. Hey, Joe, how are you? Could we have you over to the house? Oh, I just like to be around you. Joe says, you haven't talked to me in four months. Oh, I know, but I've just been busy. But I really have. God's been speaking to my heart. 
Now I'm making fun of myself because you're going to go like, well, nobody's like that. Oh, yes, we are. We're human, aren't we? And so Paul says, hey, you got to have your love be sincere. It can't be this kind of deal that you're trying to find some ulterior motive to get somebody. If I'm really good to him, he's going to do this to me, and he got, he's going to notice me, she's going to notice me, and notice me. No, you don't do that. No. So, it's not selfish. Love isn't something that builds me up. It's something I do to enhance and seek the highest good of, of other people. Now, let me just read you a couple. First Peter 4, 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Whoa. You see, if I love a person, there'll be times I'm just going to overlook their crud. I'm just going to overlook it. Why? Because I'm a graceful person. And why? Because I want them to overlook some of my mistakes. How about you? You see, love in action is a magnet to people in a community. If they see you and I loving each other, and there's lots of grace, doesn't mean we don't talk about sin, Oh, we'll see that really clearly. When you see what's happening, love attracts. Now, what keeps people from coming to a church? One thing, legalism. Don't do this, don't do that. What's wrong with you? You can't be doing that. We don't accept you. You don't, you don't look like us. You don't do this. You don't do that. You don't, no, no. Love, love, love. That's why people love to be around Jesus. Now, you say, is it practical? Well, turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. Verse 16, it is very practical. Real love, genuine love reaches out and it actually touches people. False love kind of hides in a corner, is aloof, is isolated, not really involved with people. First John 3.16, you say, Pastor Mark, like what is love? Well, here it is. This is how... We know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So in its fullest extent, I'm seeking that Jesus is our example of love, his love. And as we lay our lives down, in other words, remember we said, we're seeking the highest good of other people with our gifts. We're just serving people no matter what our gift is. Our whole motive is to serve them that in love. And it's not just words. Notice, look at verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongues, but with actions and in truth. So what comes out of my mouth has to be followed through with action. You have a need. Somebody says, can you help me? Oh, I'd love to help you. When you need help, Saturday. Sure, I'd love to help you. Saturday comes, they don't show. Not even a call. What kind of love is that? Insincere. Remember Jesus said way back in the book of Matthew? Very important for Christians. Because I find Christians sometimes are a little guilty of this. Jesus said, let your yes be yes, and your no be no be no. So let's say you can't come on Saturday. What should you say? No, I can't come. Now, if that person says they can't come to help you, now are you ready to give them a guilt trip so you can try to get them there? What do you mean you can't come? I came and helped you last time. What do you mean? Do you see how we can play it? 
So if somebody says, I can't be there, that's okay. God will provide somebody else. Don't give this big deal, well, I'll be there. I'll be glad to help you. And then as they go away, you go, no, that's insincere love. It's not genuine. It doesn't reach out. Now, understand, if you have a heart for the lost, and you say, I really have a heart for the lost, but you don't reach out, there's no prayer, there's no intercessory prayer, there's no personal sharing, how could we say we have a real love for the lost? Now, if we have a real love for the lost, we're going to do those things. It's going to be genuine. We're going to reach out. And that's the kind of body you are. You guys are incredible. We reach out. We love the lost. That's why we have the gym for the kids. And they just got kids showing up like crazy. We did some interviews. And maybe one of these weeks we'll show you. But some of the, the, the teens were interviewed. How do you get to heaven? Who's Jesus? Boom, boom, boom. You'd be, you'd be surprised. They don't know. Now, it's not kids that come here. They're just kids in our neighborhood. Wonderful kids. They have no clue. That's not a shock. It shouldn't be a shock to you. So when we love the lost, we just accept them where they are, and we show them. We can play basketball with them. We can do whatever. We can invite them in here. If you're here and don't know too much about Jesus Christ, welcome. We're glad to have you. And we're not a bunch of stuck-up people. Somebody probably reached out and tried to shake your hand and say hi to you. Good. They're genuine. Now, look at chapter 12, verse 9. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. So the second thing that we do with our gifts, it's interesting, we hate evil and we focus on the good. How do we find the balance there? Now, a person that's going to have a hard time with this, two people, that dichotomy of people, those people who are prophets are going to have a hard time with the second part of this. Hate what is evil? Yes! The mercy person is going to go, what? I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Now, what about the second part of this? Cling to what is good. The mercy person goes, ah, I love it. What's the prophet go? There ain't nothing good. You're not good enough yet. You haven't proven it yet. Prove it some more to me. So Paul is wonderful the way he balances this. So note, right, there, right by this little note here, just write this. This is very good. Real love, very important. I want time to develop it all. Real love is not blind. See, we're not stupid. Real love is not blind. You remember in Corinthians, there was a man in the church that was sleeping with his mother-in-law. And the church kind of just winked at it. They knew it, they just let it happen. And Paul came in and said, look, either you're going to have to change your lifestyle, or we're going to ask you to leave the church. Because the man was claiming he was a believer. Well, you know the story. Paul said, I'm turning you over to Satan. Hate what is evil. You can't pollute the church. If you're not a believer, that's fine. We welcome you here. That's what the church is for. We're a hospital. But if you claim to be a believer, make sure your love is genuine. Don't be a hypocrite. So they kicked him out of the church. The church didn't, but Paul did. Now what happened later? We know from 2 Corinthians... The man eventually repents, asks to be reinstituted into the church, and the church now is wrong again. They're going, nah, we didn't care for you. You're finally out of here. They wouldn't do it the first time, but now that he's out, they don't want him back. Paul says, whoa, 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 whoa. He's repented. 
welcome him back in. So you hate what is evil and you cling to what is what is good. That's what the church is about, guys. We're not blind to evil, but we're going to focus on what's good. In the message today, Pastor Mark talked about the use of the motivational gifts. He showed through Scripture that God designed people to be attracted to Jesus. You were reminded that since all Christ followers are ambassadors of Jesus, it's up to them to reflect the nature of Jesus. One of the ways this nature is radiated is by the proper use of spiritual gifts, which is in agape love. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will wind up the first part of his teaching on how to use motivational gifts. He'll be emphasizing the importance of doing these gifts with the underlying love of God. Pastor Mark will share from Scripture the right way and the wrong way to use these gifts. You'll hear about the importance of working as a team to do the best good for the body. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear